0: Welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts David and Nick. In this episode, hell is earth. We prepare to release The Creature of the Night. We meet Mr. Miracle and finally we get our hands on Metal. Stay tuned for all this and more. <laughs> hello everybody and welcome back to the heck yeah comics podcast we have unfortunately been gone for a bit but we're back now we're here to reclaim the throne of your hearts we know that no one's been sitting on that throne it's been empty but we're back now and I'm just going to keep on talking until Nick says anything, anything at all. So he's being very oddly silent.
1: Okay. Oh, I never put my video on for this, did I? That's why you <laughs> have no idea what I was doing.
0: Nope, not a clue in the world. What were you doing?
1: Um, I was reviewing one of the comics I plan on talking about later well, in the we'll show. Well, we'll get into
0: that later in the show. But for people who don't remember, I'm David Luzader. That's Nick Shermooksness. You're the listening audience, and this is the podcast where we talk about comic books and the news related to them and some of the latest books that come out each week, though this week I will not be talking about something that is late and breaking, but something that's actually kind of old. But we'll get to that. When we get to that, Nick, we've been gone for like a month. Has it really been a month? Yeah, it's been probably a little bit longer than a month. Yeah, I, I mostly blame you. But, well, yeah, I mean, it is by my fault, and we're not going to get into why the show has been on hiatus, but yeah, it is my fault. I <laughs> was trying to make fine. it a
1: joke. You decided to make it real, but you know what isn't real, David? Your feelings. Also, comic books.
0: Well, Nick, um, Nick, I. but we should talk about, I mean, you and I have changed quite a bit in this time. I mean, you got that facial tattoo.
1: I, I mean yes i I did get a facial and why don't tattoo. you tell people what and the a facial fa- i have to say facials are fantastic uh-huh. um, i really recommend this place downtown doesn't uh-huh. matter which downtown you'll find now, it you,
0: you know facial has multiple meanings right and the news david no and no we're not getting, why, why are you getting into the news we have to more I've, why don't you go ahead and describe your your face tattoo to people what 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 did you have tattooed on your face? I want to I want the people to know. Paint a picture with your words.
1: It was uh, Tamagotchi. Why?
0: Tamagotchi.
1: Yeah, I Tamagotchi. had
0: Tamagotchi tattooed on
1: it's my. face. It's a Tamagotchi, face. Nick. What Tamagotchi? Tamagotchi. Why are you saying it wrong? Why are you?
0: What? How? No.
1: How do you pronounce? Is it John? Finish the sentence. What? John Con... You what? know what I'm trying to say. How do you say his name? Hellblazer.
0: Neil Gaiman? Uh,
1: no, what? I say John... <laughs> and you say Neil Gaiman in response? No,
0: I said John Constantine, then Neil Gaiman.
1: Okay, first off, to... those are the two names that you always got wrong. Pronouns. You can't say it like you this thought is... it
0: was the correct way. This is what I've been doing for a month, learning how to pronounce these things.
1: Learning how to pronounce John Constantine and Neil Gaiman. It took
0: me a month. Uh,
1: they're spelled.
0: Okay, well... In, Tamagotchi? I'm looking up how to pronounce Tamagotchi. You won't be able to hear this, but I'm going to play this YouTube video and we'll see.
1: Tamagotchi.
0: Huh. According
1: Tamagotchi. To what is it, David?
0: Well, I don't trust this guy, so I'm going to find an, an alternate source.
1: They, what, what did they say?
0: We're going to go ahead and find out what this guy has to say right here. Tamogatchi. Well, that can't be right either.
1: Tamogatchi.
0: This one says Tamugachi, which I'm pretty sure that one's <laughs> way off.
1: But he starts with Tam.
0: Well, the other one I sent to started with Tom. Or Tam. Yeah, anyway, it's not important. I have a hook, hook have hand. I barely
1: remember what you thought. Of I like don't even
0: remember what we're talking about anymore. you have a hook hand. Uh, yeah, since you got a face tattoo. I, I got really a hook hand to a la... Aqu- aquaman i was looking at hook hands recently actually That's, i was with you when that happened was that with you yes in train okay in Tran. i remember yeah. yeah yeah let's keep talking about things that the audience doesn't know or care about but what we uh, talking about it's some...
1: literally the whole point of our show is to talk about <laughs> comic books that no one's going to understand the way that we do well Except then they... let's
0: go ahead and dive right into the news
1: our top story today, after a disappointing summer, Humpty Dumpty has a great fall.
0: Our first news story tonight, we're revisiting an old Kirby character, because the demon Hell is Earth is coming from DC Comics. People who don't know, Jack Kirby created Etrigan the Demon, who is returning to DC Comics in an all-new six-issue series titled The Demon Hell is Earth by writer Andrew Constant and artists Brad Walker and Andrew Hennessy. The series finds Jason Blood retired, living in Death Valley, when a nuclear explosion cracks the Earth, allowing Hell to escape into our Earth. As Hell escapes, Jason turns into his alter ego, the rhyming demon Etrigan, to combat the forces of evil. Uh, I believe we talked about Etrigan a little bit on the show recently. He was in the um, the Trinity Annual and showed up, but this book sounds very much like it's not taking place in DC continuity. You don't think so? A nuclear blast? Why can nuclear
1: blasts happen in the normal DC universe, David?
0: I, mean, I guess they can, it just seems like
1: extreme. A...
0: Extreme, yeah.
1: Nuclear blasts usually are. Uh, I mean, it's probably one of those books kind of maybe even similar to like uh, on a few episodes ago we had talked about like the Ragman coming back in his own limited series. Like DC's been yeah. doing some of these limited series books that like could take place in main continuity if it wants to. Otherwise, it can just be hey, you know, we can try this approach to a character, see if it works. If it does, awesome, let's roll it in a little bit closer. If it's not, then it's like hey, it was just a fun little etrogan book that we did. Well,
0: yeah. So this is uh, this is actually something DC's kind of been doing for a bit because you remember they did the uh, Bizarro limited series. And they did the Batmite limited series, which are like...
1: Back during DCU, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I think that was kind of the start of it. They were like, hey, here are these books that are... They're six issues. And obviously back then it was supposed to be a little bit more like, here's these fun kind of goofy characters. Um, but it's cool to see them... Like, I, I And I, I probably mentioned this in the Ragman episode, where I love that they're like, all right, six issue mini. Like, We know it's very unlikely that Etrigan's going to catch on and become the next you know mainstay of the dc universe let's not like big we're gonna launch him in a new series with a new number one and cancel it in six issues like we're just gonna do six and done like we'll we'll have someone come in tell a story they want to tell and cool i'm super into that
1: right I agree. Uh, it's funny in the article that it mentions that he's uh, – or the or Brad Walker, the artist, who, who's our style, I do enjoy. Uh, yeah. he's like, it's great to tackle a lesser-known Kirby character. I feel like even compared to the new gods, Etrigan the Demons probably one of his more popular creations, I... especially with the Justice League cartoon back when we were kids.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say all over this thing, it's like here's this little-known character. And I guess to, pop, you know, to the mainstream audiences, yes, but if you follow – comics especially DC with any sort of regularity like Etrigan pops up every now and then. Mm-hmm. He's not that uncommon. But uh to your to what you said about the art style, I I really really dig this art style a lot. What they show there is super super rad. So rad. Those those demons are so creepy. I it's kind of reminds me of like the Outcast sort of demons, so they got like a, kind of that smoky quality to them. Mhm uh, but they're like wearing clothes. Ah, oh, man. It's really cool designs. I'm pretty, I, I, I'm pretty into that. What? <laughs> no, it's, no.
1: I, I like it. I'm definitely uh, intrigued by the book. Uh, whether I, I'm not hundred percent sure if I don't know anything from Andrew constant, the, the writer, I think he's coming out of left field. Um, or maybe he's uh, up in coming that I've missed, but, um, um uh, maybe I'll you know if it gets good review. Maybe I'll check it if it gets good reviews. Maybe I'll check it out.
0: For those curious to read the book, you can find number one. Whoa, uh, you can find number one on sale November fifteenth. Nick, what else is coming out in November?
1: Well, out? we also have Dark Arc, uh, which is coming to AfterShock Comics. AfterShock, AfterShock, AfterShock <laughs> Comics. That's our going to be our new comic uh, company name. Uh, aftershock Comics is a re- still relatively new company. I want to say that they are either just under a year or just over a year. I think uh, just a over a year. Uh, and they've had some interesting work coming out. I know you've read a little bit. I think there was a Brian Azzarello book that had come out, American, American Monster, Monster or, or something like that. Yeah, I read a little uh, bit of that I think one. That was also done by the artist of What Will Be Dark Arc, yes. which again. Is uh, this book is written by Cullen Bunn, who's a pretty big mainstay in the comic industry, and it's being drawn by Juan Doe. Uh, I love I love that
0: pseudonym because it's got to be a pseudonym, right? Juan Doe. It, uh, I don't know. Well, because it's it's a, it's it's John Doe.
1: Well, there's John Doe, but I'm sure someone named Juan could also have the last name Doe. Anyway. But I you.
0: mean, tell us more about Dark Ark. <laughs> all
1: right, so Dark Ark is basically um it takes place during the flood, the biblical flood with uh, Noah. um Basically, when Noah is being tasked to build the ark that's going to carry the innocent and the animals and all that. So when the world's sort of reborn, you know the. Everything will be better, and the whole point of the flood was to wipe away the wicked people in the world and the evil and all of that. Well, apparently, well Noah is building his ark. Uh, a sorcerer named Shrey builds his own ark and saves the unnatural creatures of the world, such as vampires, dragons, the naga, the manticore, which manticore just sounds like some seal creature that actually exists. But I could be mixing things up. <laughs> um, so basically, right. it's Noah's ark with um, universal monster movie. Uh, monsters in them um, which is an interesting concept uh, depending on what Ruta wants to take uh, i'm kind of ambivalent towards it but david what do you think
0: uh, well if you scroll down a little bit through this preview you'll see sort of some pictures of all the nasty creatures on the ark this is definitely an, an interesting idea this is one that oh, excuse me I don't know. It, it kind of it feels like one of those ideas that either it's going to play out and be awesome or play out and suck, and it's kind of impossible to tell at this point. Uh, Cullen Bunn has a really good history. You know, Sixth Gun is uh, people love it. I, I what I've read of it, I've really enjoy it. People have liked his work uh, over there at Marvel, so he's not an unknown quantity. You know, he he has enough goodwill built up that I'm not like looking to dismiss this. Um, but it, yeah, what, what <laughs> what's going on here? The, like this almost, if it was a lesser writer, or someone I didn't know, this would almost feel like a forced idea. Like what, what
1: is a forced idea? Like
0: what's, what's a story someone hasn't told before? Uh, yeah. What if it's like Noah's Ark, but it's evil Noah's Ark, like that I, sort of thing.
1: Yeah. Mm. Uh,
0: I'm not saying I'm guess, not saying that's what's at play here.
1: No, no, no. I know, I know. I just I usually when I hear and I'm I'm just I'm singling you out, but more of a general you. When someone says this is for something, usually it's, it's just that they that they read or something that or experience something. They're like, oh, I didn't like that, so that that was totally forced. Whereas if you enjoy it, because a lot of ideas they're not born out of necessity. It's just like, wouldn't it well, be interesting if Hitler went back in time and and killed himself for being such a jerk? Like that's. It softly, but that's what I mean. Like, it's hard I, to say it's a forced okay. idea, it's, it could be a terrible execution.
0: What well, well, I guess, kind of what I say when I say forced is kind of that idea of what if it's this but evil, like what if that, it's this but evil. I mean, it's sort of like a general idea, like what if it's like what if it's Superman but evil, like okay, like what if it's what if Batman was the Joker and then we have Nemesis come out and I have to live with in a world where I read Nemesis and be upset about it.
1: I feel so bad for you, David. yeah, um you know, really, really sad for you. I don't know. I'm actually looking at this art and I'm digging uh, one. Do- I mean i've I've liked Wando's art style style for a while. Mm-hmm. I also like that, yes, there's an evil arc with the magical creatures and the unnaturals and all that, whatever you want to call them supernatural. Um, but I like that it looks like Noah's arc is also a factor in this story and how yeah. that might inter or intertwine with the dark arc. um
0: yeah, that will. It's it's way too early to judge on this one, but like it just it kind of comes back to like what I said. If, if it was in a, a a an untrusted writer, I would be much more dubious of this. But, idea.
1: I mean, that's certainly if we if we weren't familiar with the person, but I think we have both read enough of Cullen Bunn to know that he's a solid writer. You know, some misses, you know, but a lot of really nice hits. Um, and oh, that's a creepy cover. Um, oh yeah, the covers... they have to put like a creepy old man face as the head, like a goat. Antlers or whatever at the front of the ship. And he's got like Cthulhu tentacles. Also, just regularly known as octopus tentacles. What's Uh, going on? Interesting idea. We'll keep an eye on it. And if one of us gets around to reading it, we will let you know what we actually think. David, what else is going on?
0: Well, guys, do you remember Batman, creature of the night? Probably not, because we haven't talked about it on the show, as far as I know. Ah, but. Batman Creature of the Night is a book coming out from Kurt Busiek and Stuart Immonen. Kurt Busiek I've talked a lot about on the show uh, with uh, what's it? Autumn Lands. I was no, it's I was going to call name, it, I was going to call it, I was going to call it Tooth and Claw. I was going to call Tooth and Claw but Tooth and Claw was the original title and they changed it to Autumn Lands. Uh, And Stuart Amonin, we've talked about a bit from various works, such as Next Wave Wave Agents of Hate. Uh, This is a book that has been, well, it was announced in 2010, but has finally been scheduled for a November 29th release. For those who are not sure what Batman Creature of the Night is about, it is a follow-up to Superman's Secret Identity, which is about a young man named Clark Kent in a world where Superman is a comic book character. Batman Creature of the Night is about a young man named Bruce Wainwright in a world where Batman is a comic book character, and both of them get involved in fantasy adventure scenarios that involve these characters. This was back in 2010. But where Superman's secret identity was much more about self-identity and science fiction, Batman Creature of the Night is a lot more about horror and dark things because dot dot dot, he's Batman. Uh, The four issue prestige format series is set in Boston in 1968 and tells the story of Bruce Wainwright, a young Batman fan whose parents are murdered during a robbery and whose life suddenly has unexpected parallels to his. Nick, did you ever read the Superman secret identity book?
1: I did back in college, early college, so it's it's been quite a while. But it, it, what I remember of it, I quite enjoyed as an introspective take on the Superman story and origin. Uh, it uh, was it was really interesting.
0: Now I should say, sorry, uh, Batman. I, I uh, sorry, <laughs> the Superman Secret Identity was drawn by Stuart Immonen. Batman: Creature of the Night has art by John Paul Leon. Oh, yeah. So it's not sorry. not Stuart Amonin. That that was my bad. Uh just looking at the I was looking at the art, I'm like, this is not like Stuart Amonin art. It still looks like really good art from a little bit we've seen. Uh anyway, I have not read Superman's Secret Identity. I really want to after reading this little synopsis here. You um, would like it a lot. This is forty eight pages coming out uh for six dollars. So so people are aware when that hits they're not surprised by the price point, but you're getting forty eight pages which is pretty rad so double the price for double the amount of pages. This idea is really cool. I'm I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Uh, yeah, I'll be um, so it's saying it says in above the actual solicitation it takes place in Boston in 1968, but in the actual solicitation text it says something strange starts taking wing in the Gotham night. Boston's one of Boston's nicknames, nicknames is not Gotham. Um, so I'm wondering if the description they give above was previously and maybe they changed some of the details
0: who knows uh i mean it looks like the batman that they have represented in this art it looks like you know it takes place in an era before our own 1968 being likely at the time though back i mean back in 1968 bat batman wasn't quite as um dark as he is today though i guess this would no this would be during the time where batman was silly
1: well it would have been a a 66 66, yeah but were the comics also silly at the same time that adam west batman was going on or were they
0: the comics became a lot campier as a result of the tv show i don't know exactly the timeline of that so maybe it took a more than a couple years to bleed through but if anybody's going to know better than me it's going to be kurt Busiek. that's for sure yeah he probably knows
1: knows his own uh his own work yeah
0: he probably did research on what kind of batman stories were going on in 1968 and this is most likely a book i imagine we will be discussing on here so yeah there's three books coming out that you have to look forward to and of course there's a lot more news that uh came out this week and regarding. also from San
1: Comic Con, which we passed. Right, which that, by, that's that's we never did a show that's, on. That's
0: that's yeah, that's in the past. Uh, but there's one more book, Nick, that we're going to tell people about before we move on. One yes, we're going
1: to talk about Tim Seeley's new book, Imaginary Fiends, which is going to be coming out of Vertigo Comics.
0: And this is um, not the only Tim Seeley book that was announced in the last like 48 hours. Uh, what was the other one? Um. I just had the page up and it's another one coming to Aftershock. Uh this is embarrassing for everyone. What? Oh here it is. It what is, is it? Brilliant Trash. Awesome from Brilliant Trash. Okay, but I didn't
1: you... about that one. But Imaginary Friends, uh Fiends. Tim Seeley, uh known for the book Hack Slash and um also currently the writer of Nightwing. Uh people also might know him when he was co writing Grayson with Tom King. Um but, uh, Imaginary Fiends is a return to horror for Tim Seeley, who recently wrapped up his horror book, um, revi- uh, Revival, Um, but Fiends is darker, scary, and more fanatical than anything I've ever done. Uh, Steve, and apparently the artist is Stephen Molnar. Um, apparently he has a monster called Polly Peach Pit. Um... But basically, years ago, a young girl named Brink Kale was found covered in blood near the woods in the small rural town of Cannon Falls, Minnesota, when her best friend Melba attempted to murder her. When investigators tried to find understand why, Melba revealed that a spider girl named Polly Peachpit told her to. Years later, Melba is turning 18 and will be in her her real sentence in federal prison. That is, until a new unit in the FBI recruits her with an explanation for what happened so many years ago. So basically, it sounds like wrongfully accused for things. You know, but now is getting a new lease on life through an organization that uh, is sort of revealing the dark underbelly of what goes on in the did, world.
0: Did you click that the art from the book that I think that that might be that Polly Peach pit character? That is horrifying <laughs>
1: <sighs> uh wow, that is creepy. That is very creepy. So, uh, good. I mean, it's a horror book and it's already got creepy artwork. So it seems to be on the right track. Uh, I've, uh, I've read a little bit of revival from Tin Sealy and, uh, it's really good. So and I, I've never read hack Slash, but I've also read a bunch of his Nightwing And of course, Grayson, uh, he does really good work. So I'm definitely, this is a book that I'm also going to keep on my radar. And, uh, See how it goes.
0: Yeah, very cool. And if people want to catch more of upcoming Tim Seeley work, they should also keep an eye out, like I mentioned earlier, for Brilliant Trash from Aftershock Comics. That is coming uh, That is coming from Tim Seeley with artist Priscilla Petratas and colorist Marco Lesko, uh, which is a sci-fi book, a sci-fi superhuman epic, according to Tim Seeley. So Tim Seeley is someone else who is getting some more work, kind of branching out a bit. Good for Tim Seeley. Well, that's going to do it for news. Why don't we go ahead and hop on over now to our reviews.
1: To the Batmobile. Let's go.
0: Now, this is a great week to come back because we have a big book to talk about, and that is Dark Knight, Dark Knight's Metal, but we'll get to that in a little bit first. Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about Mr. Miracle?
1: All right, Mr. Miracle... Mr. Miracle number one came out from Tom King and Miss Gerrard's. You might also know them as the creative team from Sheriff of Babylon. Uh, But Mr. Miracle is uh, based on the Jack Kirby new God character, Mr. Miracle. Uh, I'll give a little bit of a background. Uh, He has a funny costume. Uh, he's known as the uh, world's greatest escape artist, uh, basically a regular Houdini. And uh, for those that maybe aren't up on their New Gods mythology, he's in fact the son of Darkseid. Nope, mm. I take that back. He is the son of High Father, who's basically the God equivalent on New Genesis, um, who is given up and raised in the fire pits of Apocalypse, the hell variation um so basically he uh, and what tom something that tom king mentions in uh, one of the interviews for the book is that he's basically a jesus christ analog as far as you know but instead of being sort of sent to earth you know by god he gets he's jesus being sent straight to hell uh raised in hell but ultimately through his own sort of internal moral compass is able to escape along with his future wife big uh, big barda Uh, And they eventually find their way to Earth where they settle down while occasionally helping out the various superhero types. That's all you really need to know when you start this issue. Uh, I think a passing familiarity with Mr. Miracle helps because I found through reading the issue that I kind of got what his character was about. But really, other than the inciting incident in the book, um, I I feel like for people that maybe don't really know anything about him, they wouldn't have been like, I'm like this guy, like it really intrigues me. It's more, I don't really understand why he did that or really why any of this is happening. So maybe for people that are a little less familiar, this book might be confusing, but what's it all about? And this isn't a spoiler. It basically opens with Mr. Miracle killing himself. Uh, or attempting to kill himself. And so a big thing is this guy is, like, he's, you know, they're called new gods, whether they're, like, truly considered gods, even in the fictional sense, I think they're more, like, super aliens. Um, But he's not just, like, your your passing Joe. And his his whole thing with killing himself, that he explains it, is that he can escape from anything. So he started thinking about the things that he couldn't escape from, or that no one escapes from, and no one can escape death. So his whole, so according to him, at least outwardly, is you know, am, am, could I escape from death? Is that true, or maybe that there's something deeper going on? Because this is a guy that, w- again, you know, was meant to be raised in heaven and literally grew up in hell and went through probably untold, unspeakable like acts of torture and trauma, you know, there before finding a way to escape. So uh, there, there seems to be this theme of like in the book it really does a big job about sort of juxtaposing the mundane with the fantastic, you know, you have uh, Mr. Miracle and big Barda living together in an apartment. They have cats. Uh, but then like in another scene, you have, you know, sort of a dressed down Mr. Miracle walking on the beach with his like Zeus dad, you know, walking alongside him talking. Um, so it feels like there's also a, on top of that juxtaposition, there's sort of an undercurrent of like, how what you present to people but what's really going on underneath um but really like i'm i guess i wasn't expecting it to incorporate a lot of new god elements but we get a lot of familiar faces that you might know like orion who's the son of dark side the devil equivalent who was given up and raised in heaven so orion and mr miracle have a very interesting dynamic in the sense that they're kind of they're brothers in a sense adopted brothers but you know both kind of lived the the life that the other one was supposed to so whereas even though orion can have this chip on his shoulder where was like i'm the son of the devil or whatever really he grew up on a fluffy cloud whereas (laughs) mr miracle is more down to earth and hey i grew up in hell and like you just you don't get it um all that has to say is that this is a very interesting character drama and it definitely puts a lot of weight on his relationship and marriage with big barda Um, but by the end of the first issue where you think this is kind of leading more towards the mundane than the fantastic, it hits you with a really big uh, twist uh, and leads into a really interesting cliffhanger. So um, it's been getting a lot of great reviews, and I can definitely see why. Uh, Like I said, maybe do a wiki search or something on Mr. Miracle and learn a little bit more about the new gods. Of course, I always encourage you to go out and read Jack Kirby's Fourth World, Um, but you know, get a little passing familiarity and then check the book out.
0: Very cool. Lots of people talking about this book. And uh, I didn't read it. <laughs> so it's good to get your perspective on it. Uh, probably something I'm going to check out in like 10 years when the collected edition is all out.
1: But- it's the thing of it. Like, because you've been wanting to read the vision, which was also a Tom King book. It's mm-hmm. definitely that, a you know, kind of a similar thing that he did with the vision where there was fantastic elements. There was mundane elements, but there was like a really, sort of tragic current going the whole way through that's definitely the vibe i'm getting from this so this is in many ways like a spiritual successor mm-hmm. to what he was doing on the vision and the artwork by mitch gerrards is fantastic so
0: yeah now i'm going to talk about uh, some a book series that uh, comic book series that's actually been done for a bit but i just finished for the first time um i was trying to find something that i could because I've just, in, in in the stuff that's been happening for the last month, I've really fallen behind on comics. I was able to catch up on, um, on Super Suns today, and I'm enjoying Super Suns quite a bit, but this kind of felt a little more important, I guess. And that is that I finally finished Fables, which is a book series that started in 2003 and ended in 2015. I just finished it this year. I don't need your sass, so to stop stop talking about it, guys. Uh, but for those who are unaware of Fables, it is a book that was published by Vertigo, uh, created by Bill Willingham, written by Bill Willingham uh, pretty much the entire way through. Lots of different artists working on it throughout the years. Most uh, the, most consistently was Mark Buckingham, uh, but lots of different people working on it. For those who don't know what it's about, it is this world in – well, it is our world. I'm just going to read the Wikipedia entry because that'll be much more concise. The series features various characters from fairy tale and folklore, referring to themselves as fables, who formed a clandestine community centuries ago within New York City, known as Fabletown. After their homelands have been conquered by a mysterious and deadly enemy known as the adversary, it is set in modern day and follows several Fabletown's legal representatives, such as Sheriff Bigby Wolf. Mayor Deputy Snow White, her sister Rose Red, Prince Charming, and Boy Blue as they deal with troublesome fables and try to solve conflicts in both Fabletown and The Farm, a hidden town in upstate New York for fables unable to blend into human society. The series also deals with other matters, such as the main characters' personal lives, their attempt to hide the fable's true nature from regular humans, and later, the return of the adversary. So, that description there is probably more apt for the first couple of volumes of the book, as mm-hmm. it went on, uh, it really did focus more on the adversary storyline. Uh, it focused a lot more on uh, Big B and Snow White. Um, it's I'm just gonna kind of look at it a- as a whole. I would say that it overall, very good series, very strong. Um, some of my favorite moments are really in those first five volumes. Uh, from then on, still some really great stuff, still some really strong stuff. Um, I would say after probably volume 11 or 12, uh, it got a lot more up and down, a lot more like a roller coaster experience where you're hitting some lows and hitting some highs. Um, but how did this series wrap up overall? It wrapped up as good as it could, I guess. <laughs> I it kind of kept things a little bit ambiguous where it's like these characters stories are continuing on and you would kind of catch glimpse into the lives of a number of them far down the road. Um, Especially the last volume you, you get a bunch of like the last boy blue story, the last Pinocchio story, uh, the last Rose red story, stuff like that. Um, which I mean, from the way that they're told, they're not the last stories. They're just, the last thing that they want to cleverly show you before you don't hear from them ever again. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some concepts that were introduced in the last couple of volumes that I felt were not paid off very well, which was disappointing. Uh, They introduced this whole Camelot concept. Uh, There's this whole thing about, rose red gaining all this magical power but it's not really ever explained why uh there's this whole war that's supposed to happen that gets called off for a really simple reason that's kind of interesting but it happens so quickly and so near the end that there's no time to really like explain it and they could have spent some time i think exploring that uh there's stuff that it just really felt like, all right, we want to quickly resolve this to, to, to close things up It for a long running series. It's hard to have a very satisfying ending. You know, I love saga, but it's saga is lucky enough that you have someone telling you the story that as long as they, you know, as long as they wrap up Hazel, that's all well and good uh, for something like this. That was so sprawling and kind of all over the place. It, it was going to be a difficult task and they did as good as they could. I think they could have done better with it. Um, but overall it's a series that I definitely recommend. Uh, you, you get really attached to the characters, even though it really does become the Rose red or the, uh, the snow white and big B show after a while, uh, focuses very heavily on them and their kids. And some of maybe your, the more interesting side characters, kind of run out of stuff to do after a while so you don't really hear from them ever again like i think reading the last 3 or 4 volumes i don't even remember pinocchio showing up anywhere uh flycatcher becomes fairly insignificant um it really does begin to focus down quite a bit for those who uh, for those who haven't read it, I say it's it's definitely a go-to. It's worth reading all the way to the end. I wouldn't rec- you know I wouldn't say like get to this point and then just stop. It's like just go ahead and get this whole ride out. Don't read some of the spin-offs. You don't need to read Jack of Fables. That's not a thing that you need in your life, unless you feel like it is. And then all right, buddy, that's your call. It's your life. Make make the choices you want to make, even when they're wrong. Uh, I haven't read any of this. Ever After stuff. I have played the Wolf Among Us game, and there's going to be a Wolf Among Us sequel coming out. Uh, it is a very, very rich world, and I hope that even though, um, even though the the main book is finished off, that there's still chances. I know there's a, a few spinoffs that have come out um, aside from the ones that I've mentioned. Like there's Cinderella, there's fairest. Uh, there's a couple. There's a couple novels that have spawned. You know, I, I'm really hoping that going forward they can continue to explore the rich tapestry and that we can get away from some of those main characters and and get into some other stuff going on so fables it's a book that happened it's important and uh and it kept vertigo alive for a while so there you go
1: it was in a lot of ways i feel like the last big hurrah to vertigo yeah, you know but... the last like major series from that imprint, you know, before like it kind of has been kind of going in a not really a death spiral, but just a transformation sp- a spiral. Well, spiral. it's
0: it's talk. it's looking right now for that next series to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Um, because I would say for a very long time you had uh, Sandman being like that the big thing, and that kind of transitioning to. I want to say Fables. I don't know what else actually came out. Not the no, Fables. There's a bunch of stuff. I
1: a lot of the names aren't coming to mind for I mean, me, really. I really, mean, but...
0: there's 100 Bullets uh, was one that people really enjoyed. A big one. There's uh, Doom Patrol, obviously. DMZ. Uh, man, they have a lot of stuff. iZombie came out of there. Lucifer was obviously a big one that came from um, the Sandman. Yeah. Trans, uh, trans metropolitan. Yeah. Why the last man? I kind of forget at time, how at times, how important vertigo vertigo.
1: was to the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Man.
0: Yeah. And looking at like, looking at their stuff now, there's nothing, uh, the current ongoing, I mean, American vampire, which is quote unquote ongoing. Uh, I don't remember the last time there was one. There's the returning, returning Lucifer book. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff they're trying to get something that's gonna keep it going. And there's several, I mean, several of these are are listed as miniseries now, like Jacked, uh, Sheriff of Babylon, Last Gang in Town, all stuff that I'm sure is good, but I guess American Vampire would kind of, oh yeah, American Vampire
1: was a big one too.
0: Yeah. I I mentioned that like a minute ago. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, yeah, you're not paying attention to me. So that's fine.
1: paying attention. I'm agreeing that it was a big one. Hey,
0: speaking of American Vampire by Scott Snyder, let's talk about Scott Snyder's newest book. Some might say his most ambitious book, but probably not. Uh, Actually, it very well might be, and that is Dark Knight's The Metal, or Dark Knight's Metal. I keep wanting to call it The Metal because of that Tenacious D song. The The Metal. Metal. We have talked a bit about this book. This is did we it's did we doozy. talk about we,
1: both the, we, the casting and the forge the the, the pre prelude issues? We prelude? did
0: we did talk about those okay. and to kind of to, sure. to kind of make this as easy as possible. Batman is researching metals, and uh, the reason why it seems is because there is this thing known as the dark multiverse. And something from the dark multiverse is reaching out and and trying to find Batman, and Batman is in turn trying to find them. That's as easy as I can put it.
1: That is pretty succinct. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. So the main threat here, regardless of, there's a lot of,
0: there's a lot you know, going on in this.
1: There's book. a lot of details being thrown around, but it it really is very simple. A universe of dark hero i hears of like basically a universe of darkness that sort of sits below our happy go or a dark multiverse that sits below our, our you know totally happy-go-lucky multiverse is trying to invade through you know the main dc earth and specifically targeting batman seeing him as like the key that's going to allow them in so it's kind of that they're gunning for batman And Batman, through his investigations, is trying to understand everything, but I imagine it's also going to inadvertently, because of said investigation, release them so that they have something to punch for a few issues before they defeat it.
0: Right. I want to talk about a lot going on, because there's so much going on, but I want to talk briefly about Voltron, slash the Megazord, that happens in the first few pages, and why it's the greatest thing ever. Go ahead, talk about it. Uh, well, what's his butt? Morgul? Morgul? Mongol, Mongol. I don't know why he's called it. That's not a freaking name. <laughs> Morgul. Mongol, uh, Mongol's nerdy cousin. <laughs> uh, first of all, I love that they mention Aquaman's hook hand, or your old harpoon hand. And the editor's note is: see the '90s, not like see this run of Aquaman. It's see this decade of comics. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty good. Anyway, yeah, well, Mongol has them fighting. Uh, They have to fight these robots that secretly were made by somebody trying to help them. And so they push the buttons on the inside of the robot's mouths and they form into this giant robot that allows them to, uh, to fight back. And it is so great. And I just I want this to be the book. Not that I didn't enjoy what happened after this, but I just love the idea of the Justice League coming together in a giant robot and... And fighting space monsters.
1: It's it's it honestly it, it's almost like. Um like a preview of what Snyder and Capullo could do on a Justice League book. Like, you know, we've, we've seen Snyder do Batman and and through Batman, like he had some guest appearances from other DC heroes and such, but it was still pretty limited to Batman's like main family of characters. Uh So seeing him sort of write the camaraderie between them, as far as like talking strategy, which their strategy apparently was just Wonder Woman yelling out formations that didn't really like, you couldn't really capture them very well on the comic page. Um, but the stuff with the, um, what I think that the whole Voltron or what a Megazord suit thing kind of symbolizes that no matter how dark this book goes, like there's going to be some a levity. book that celebrates so many different elements of the DC universe. And if that turns you off, then you were absolutely going to hate this.
0: Well, book. yeah, and they they dig into so much stuff. Uh, speaking of kind of the interplay, real quick, I just flipped to this page that I really loved. Uh, you brought us here, did all this, so you could trap Batman. That was your plan. You obviously don't know him very well. Guy probably had a ride ready the moment we landed here, and I can promise you, it's something state of the art. Smash cut to Batman clinging onto the side of a raptor. <laughs> Quiet, boy, quiet. Uh, but, yeah, going back to, like, celebrating so many elements and, and dragging so many elements, uh, they reference very clearly multiversity. They have the map of the, the world of Orrery or the Orrery of Worlds, whatever it's called, uh, straight from multiversity. They reference uh, the the 90s harpoon hand. They reference All-Star Batman. Which, which
1: is recent. N-
0: nobody references All-Star Batman.
1: All-Star Batman, the book that Snyder was just writing, not the Frank Miller All-Star Batman. You know what?
0: In my head, I read it as All-Star Batman and Robin. But no, you're absolutely right. That's not as... You mean
1: uh... All-Star Batman and Robin, The Boy Wonder was the full title.
0: Oh, God. It was. Why did it we was. let that happen?
1: I read it. I read it. I actually like it was bad, but I also didn't mind it. But it was it was it was something else. Well um and, something that will never see the light of day
0: again. And and something I mean and spoiler alert if you haven't read this book, too bad. Uh was speaking of Vertigo and the Sandman, Morpheus shows up in this book.
1: Morpheus um, being the Sandman of Vertigo.
0: Yes. Uh, Which,
1: this isn't the first time in the last decade that DC has utilized the Endless characters, or at least some of them, in main DC continuity. Back in pre-Flashpoint, I think right before Flashpoint, um, Paul Cornell was doing an Action Comics run where um, Lex Luthor was the protagonist, so to speak, and he actually has a run-in with Death mm -hmm. from the Endless. So... Like it's a it's a major moment because like no one I think no one was ever touching Morpheus but like it's not out of the realm of possibility of endless characters appearing in the main DC universe and
0: I think I think within Sandman there was references to the DC universe mm-hmm. but yeah they never oh, well,
1: in Sandman before because I think it came out like before Vertigo was like cemented as a thing so it started as a book that was taking place in the DC universe like I think Poison Ivy is in one of the early issues. Mm -hmm. um but eventually they kind of faded out as being part of like the vertigo dc universe Mm -hmm. so to speak um no but that like this book channels morrison it channels some of snyder's own past work it channels jeff johns it's got references to various parts of dc history it's using the toy man which is like the young uh japanese boy i can't remember if his real name is i think shiro maybe or my oh, literally thinking of Big Hero Six? Um,
0: <laughs> they mention it. Uh, let's see what he's because he says there.
1: Uh,
0: Mister, he, he says he calls him Mister Hero.
1: Well, his name's definitely not Shiro Hero. Shiro Hero. Oh, so Shiro uh, Hero is a great name it's, for like. It's comic Hero.
0: books. It might be Shiro Hero. <laughs>
1: um, a lot of crazy stuff going on. Um, and also it's it's so what he does is he's looking at a lot of different disparate elements from the DC universe and he's tying them together, mostly through Hawkman, a character who we see, who we've been learning about and, and interacting with through journal entries between both the two prelude issues and this first issue. Mm-hmm. Um, which that all kind of wraps up, you know in a bow by the end of this issue as far as like what those journal entries mean uh, or how they relate into the story um but you also the fact that it plays up the the hawkman reincarnation a- angle where hawkman is simply in the latest line of 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 carter Hall carter hall's his modern name but prince Sh- i'm not even going to try to remember their Egyptian names but basically what prince khufu and princess Sharaya or Char- shara or something like that yeah. shara um someone can definitely email us and correct me i'm sure i'll Google it afterwards and groan um but it it takes the element of them being reincarnating every generation and tying it into other aspects in dc lore like the blackhawks which were a world war ii era um like squadron of planes, uh and the challenges of the unknown. And I believe they were hinting, not even really hinting at heavily, but revealing it that like Carter Hall, again Hawkman, that in his previous incarnations operated as like the main like entity of these or different organizations. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the challenges of the unknown play a big role in this in a sense as one of the inciting incidents uh, when the Justice League returned from Mongols' war pits um, where the Challengers Mountain, their base of operations, appears in the middle of Gotham. So a big portion of Gotham has just been destroyed no, with no. a giant mountain taking its place.
0: Did it say it was destroyed? I thought it said like it, well, I'm looking at it now, yeah, it was destroyed. I thought they mentioned something of like the Earth. They mentioned
1: evacuating up. and getting people out of there yeah. before it appeared, but I mean, the, the the mountains occupying space where a part of the city was.
0: Yeah, I think it's like the ground opened up and caused issues.
1: Right. So what makes me wonder, was Challenger Mountain always there? Because, I mean, Challenger Mountain was set up, if it's fallen, like, say, the last hundred years. Let me rephrase that. Challenger Mountain was established somewhere in the last hundred years, and (laughs) mountains don't move like that. So was it somewhere else? Because they mentioned that it vanished, and now it's reappeared in Gotham. So is it reappearing in a different spot from where it's actually supposed to be? Um and also, why did it disappear? Why is it back now? Uh, other than it looks like that wherever they disappeared off to uh, ties into the whole dark multiverse that they saw something. I guess one thing about this issue, that A, the, the two prelude issues might as well have been issues number one and issues number two. I agree. Because... Because now it just kind of feels like this issue again is just leading up to something we already know. Actually, I think even in the beginning of the issue, we see – maybe I'm thinking it wrong and it's towards the back. But there's like a picture of what all the, the – what the dark multi- multiverse it's, means.
0: It's near It's near the end. You have like the Doctor Fate and the egg. Is that what you think No thinking?
1: there there was – no, I guess it was – I just went scroll back through it. the ad, The ad was at the end, so I take that back. Um, but either way, through certainly, even if you ignore like marketing and advertisement for this or interviews, like I think by reading the first two plays, it's doing the whole like, what does this all mean? Here's you know, Hawkman's journal, and like something evil's coming. Something evil's always coming, and now here's a third issue of it's coming, it's coming. Yeah, that and is a little like, frustrating. Like that, that I felt like was a mark against it. I mean, now that it's here, maybe it will turn the rest of the event around. But it already feels like we've been peddling a lot um, and just now getting to the payoff after so many pages. Um, but overall, like what is there, I find has was pretty enjoyable. Uh, my usual criticisms of Snyder, where he's got like his Snyder, Snyder speeches, yeah, is what Snyder speeches um have really been toned back here. He does spend an awful lot of time talking about metal and how important it is, but that's kind of the whole point of a book called Metal. metal so right. I'm gonna forgive him. Uh,
0: who's um, who is the third guy? Because there's that page where you have the the steel. Sem- is it steel?
1: Okay. I'm I'm assuming it's steel.
0: That's what I thought it was. Just...
1: it's just funny that it not, not I I love steel. Don't get me wrong, but it's just sort of like here's Doctor Fate. Who was the other guy? Isn't that a,
0: a Isn't that Elastic Man in the egg? No,
1: it's a Plastic Man. Plastic uh, Man, you're, not you're of Elongated Man. Elongated Man.
0: Yeah, um, sorry, Plastic Man. Who I love that he just has an exclamation mark next to him.
1: Right. Um. Yeah, Doctor Fate, Steel, and Plastic Man. Like, what is what? <laughs> like, what an interesting uh, group of people. They're the
0: DC Illuminati. They've
1: also got Red Tornado in there, who apparently was teaming up with the Challengers of the Unknown before they vanished.
0: So was it's also possibly invented by Carter Hall. No,
1: not necessarily by Carter Hall. Um, I think they show a picture where he's with a scientist that also created the Metal Men. Yes. I forget exactly where his or how his origins tie in with that. Um, but. He's the DC equivalent of the Vision, or the Vision might be the Marvel equivalent of Red Tornado. Um, either way, it doesn't matter. Uh, you also have Kendra Saunders, who's like the modern Hawk Girl, mm-hmm. uh, acting as like the head of the Black Hawks.
0: Does she so cut maybe. off her wings?
1: She, oh, yeah, she does mention it. So maybe she did have a prior history as Hawk Girl it's in... in this version of the DC Universe. Well, they,
0: they, No, they showed in either uh, Forge or the casting, they showed Hawk Girl.
1: They do... But there's, but depending on how they're tying in their DC history, there is the Hawk Girl and Hawkman of the 1940s, and then a modern version of Hawkman. Well, yeah,
0: Hawkman. they're reborn.
1: Right, right. Which one were they showing though?
0: Oh, I get what you're saying.
1: Um. So, but that's interesting. What I also find interesting with this event is that this is taking place in the rebirth universe or the rebirth mm-hmm. era of DC, which is which does apply to you know the new 52 and elements that stemmed from there and and changes the history but a big thing of rebirth has been reestablishing older dc canon and history but you have things like if red tornado is just now coming into the four it means that they're in this dc universe that probably doesn't have a sliding time scale of five years anymore they've probably expanded it back up to at least 10 or so mm-hmm. um that means there's he's had no prior experience with Justice League at this point and of course even in this rebirth 52 amalgamation that they have they still have a Justice League that's primarily of the, the new 52 origin like it hasn't deviated that much even though it felt like every time in Jeff Johns Justice League he was constantly trying to add in a few new characters or whatever to the team that kept just disappearing so I well, don't know
0: Nick you know what we say it's comic books just go with it yeah i'm i'm going with it i'm enjoying it david
1: do you have any other thoughts on it no
0: i think that's about going to wrap it up for our discussion on dark knight's metal there's a lot going on uh there's a lot of characters introduced but i'm very excited and i'm really enjoying what we've read so far so stay tuned for when we talk about the next issue this is an event that's going on through february so we will be talking about it for a while Well, this is going to bring us now to the end of our show where we ask ourselves a very important question.
1: You boys aren't nerds, are you?
0: We are, in fact, nerds, and we recommend nerdy things. Nick, what nerdy thing do you have to recommend?
1: I recommend getting outside sometimes, enjoying the sunlight, maybe going for a light run, doing a hike, maybe kayaking. Also, because I've been doing all those things over the last couple of weeks, I forgot to read anything to recommend but I had a good time. So like I just recommend Peace and Love, everyone.
0: You're the worst. What do you recommend? I'm going to recommend Flex Mentallo, a book that I found. Did you recommend
1: that right? last? I've, no, you brought no. it when you came Yes. Is, I take it back. Continue, David.
0: Flex Mentallo is a book by uh, Grant Morrison with art by Frank Quitely. I almost said Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo because they're on my mind currently. Uh, but no, it is by a, a very surreal team. This is a book that's very difficult to explain it is about a superhero who is brought to life by uh the imagination of a of a a young boy who drew him in comics when he was a kid and it's it's grant morrison so it's very surreal and cerebral Uh, It
1: also um came out of his doom patrol run came out
0: of doom patrol yes it is very good it is very difficult to sit here and try to explain or to categorize. So all I can really say is if you enjoy Grant Morrison, if you enjoy Frank Quitely, if you really like them as a team, definitely go check this book out. If you're not familiar with that duo, find the easier-to-access stuff and work your way up to Flex Mentallo, because this is super Grant Morrison- universe navel gazing everything is strange and i'm probably not high enough to really understand what i just read (laughs) because i don't
1: it's 80s grant morrison is a very interesting thing
0: yeah yeah you think grant morrison gets surreal and cerebral now oh boy no he's toned down quite a bit guys Well, that is going to do it for our show. Thank you so much, everybody, for being a part of it. We are happy to be back, and we want to hear from you. So please send us emails at heckyacomics at gmail.com, and we would love to get some reviews from you over on Apple Podcasts now. It's not just iTunes. it's, It's its own separate entity. But those reviews help new people find the show, and we want more people to listen. And, of course, we want you to head on over to heckyatcomics.com. You can find out how to contact us there. We really do want to hear your thoughts. You can also follow us on Twitter at heckyatcomics. You can find me around the Internet under the username Davluz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. So Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. Find me there. You can find Nick kayaking and going out. And, of course, you can always find the show here next week. Same heck yeah time, same heck yeah channel. Until then, goodbye. The worst episode ever!